Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. the giant I don't usually get pissed off but if you got any last words say them hmm little gnat you can be the first one to die <laughs> too slow there clay feet <laughs> now it's my turn Olar Vane Vermilion Drake leveler of ancient lands grant me your power Class is in session, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university one of the four job fiesta friends, a streamer and voice actor, Josh Fagundis, to talk about a little underrated title and often forgotten level five RPG for the PS3 days, White Knight Chronicles. How's it going, Josh? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really excited to find someone else who loves this game as much as I do. I know. It's, I know. <laughs> in putting out the feelers for later in the show for people to submit their favorite memories, not many of them were submitted, but it's fine because I feel this is an underrated gem and we'll get into it, but I feel mm-hmm. like people, I, I'm just glad to talk about it. Like, because yeah. like you said, not many people talk about White Knight Chronicles. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, 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 and, and I'm I'm glad that I can just gush and like I, I think at the time you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll get into you know the oh, reception yeah. time, but I, I I'm glad to just gush about it because I don't get many opportunities. <laughs> True, where I'm talking with someone else who's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly, yeah. right? Uh, right. But to give you all all you listeners an idea, White Knight Chronicles originally released. On December 21st, Christmas Day 2008, it got an enhanced edition on October 8th, 2009, still only in Japan. It would eventually make its way over to North America and Australia in February of 2010, February 2nd and for North America and February 25th, 2010 for Australia. This was the international edition, which included the kind of enhancements and fixes from the EX edition. And Europe got it a little later on March 5th, 2010. And to get you back in the idea of what other games you might have been playing that same year, Mass Effect 2 released Fallout New Vegas, Halo Reach, God of War 3, Nier, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, the original version of Final Fantasy 14, Star Trek Online, and Xenoblade Chronicles released in Japan. So a pretty powerhouse year. Uh, It was a great year. Pretty powerhouse, yeah. (laughs) It was pretty. I'm just looking at like Mass Effect 2, New Vegas, God of War 3. I'm like, I have put several hours into this list. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. And I could and I can see why White Knight Chronicles kind of got left, not left in the dust, but under the radar, under the radar, uh, especially in 2010. But um, but yeah, so Josh, tell me kind of about your history with White Knight Chronicles. Like, when did you first play this? Gotcha. So. I got, I played it pretty close to release. Um, I'm going to say it would probably be somewhere in the March, April range. Because that Mm -hmm. Christmas, um, I had actually gotten a PS3, uh, the prior Christmas, Mm -hmm. I should say. So the Christmas 09. I'd gotten a PS3 as a uh, Christmas gift from, you know, my then I proposed fiance and was the whole thing. Uh, you know, I gave her a ring. She gave me a PS3. You could argue <laughs> who went a little further there. Um, and so, you know, and I was looking for new games and then I'd heard of this one. Uh, and what's funny is the two, I got another game at the same time as this funny enough. And both kind of went the same way of a very select group of people who played them. There were issues with both. Neither of them was perfect, but I have fond memories of each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was this, 
and Mag, Mag Massive Action Game, oh, for those dude, who remember. I yeah. fucking love that game. Oh, I loved Mag. Oh it was God, great. Mag. It was so, listen, you had to get Yo. into it, you know, because when the first time the first two times you played, you were just running into a map and instantly dying. And then once you learned what you were doing, it was great. But same thing. So both of them it, it was funny how both of them collided at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um but then I ended up getting White Knight Chronicles, and it was like so many people. Uh, they default like a lot of people remember Final Fantasy 12 and how it was like this MMO in a home console game uh, or dot hack as the thing. Well, White Knight Chronicles is the game I poured it like far more even than Final Fantasy 12 years ago. I poured my hours into this, mm-hmm. um, you know, the playing online with other people. I, I had a buddy of mine who also got the game. Uh, and so I did long sword. He did axe. And I'm I know we'll get into the the nitty gritty of that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we had our two characters rolling out. We do the online quests together. And I just remember playing it so dang much because I don't know why it just caught me. And there's pieces to it that like it just appeals to different senses. You know, like it, it's an RP, a JRPG mm-hmm. level five always kind of is willing to say, hey, let's do something a little different. So that's why we have Dark Cloud and Rogue Galaxy and White Knight Chronicles and all that. Right. Um, and and I always appreciate that. And then it's like, in addition to it being a JRPG and you having these, uh, you know, these growing level, uh, levelable skill trees and different weapons and all that, uh, you know, when you, the, when, there's a, there's kind of an element of like common rider. Oh yeah. To a degree with the night arcs and like the specific, like, like Leonard throwing the dagger into the gauntlet and twisting mm-hmm. it or Caesar with it. You know, it's just, it was, so it's like it had all these little things that it just, boom, caught me right in the middle. And boy, mm-hmm. I just it's one of those games that I remember. I remember lines from I remember music from and I can just go on and on about. Yeah, I remember this was one of the first. I, I remember this being teased. Probably in it was when it was still just a Japan only release, but as mm-hmm. a big Power Rangers fan and kind of like the tokusatsu stuff, like transforming in giant robots, but throwing in like a fantasy element, I was all over this. So like when it. Oh, yeah. I was following it really closely when it was releasing in Japan. I was like, this looks so cool. And then when they finally announced it at E3 um, 2009 that it was coming over here, I was like, yes, finally, finally. And I was so excited. Um but it, yeah, it was it struck such an itch because it, I, I love the combat. I love the combat system and I will get into this later. I feel like White Knight Chronicles walked so Xenoblade could run. And I still think 100 oh, um, percent. I think uh, I honestly would argue that this has a better combat or better uh, kind of system to it than even any of the Xenoblades do, but we'll get into that. But Mm -hmm. I just fell in love with the idea of this game and, and what it did, like you said, with the Georama with Bill, it took like the, the town building aspects from your dark cloud games that people fell in love with, allowing Mm -hmm. you to build and uh, create towns with Georama. And then you could let your friends into buy goods and then you could go on quests kind of monster hunter style there was so much you could do in this game and while it didn't nail everything and it is rough in in a lot of regards it's still a rough game but it has oh yeah there's so much to it that i think is we take for granted nowadays that was so ahead of its time back in 2008 when this game initially released in japan and then even in 2010 when this released mm-hmm. um but no i got this the day it came out like i was ready for this i remember reserving this from gamestop or eb or eb games whichever was closer at Mm -hmm. the time but i was so ready for this game to come out of of all the things the things that like let me know it was existing um it was actually a penny arcade comic i could specifically cite (laughs) that uh they it was a comic literally it was about games that were coming out to ps3 and it's like the first panel i'm trying i cannot for the life of me remember the first two panels Mm -hmm. but and in both cases it's like gabe was like oh uh you know what about this game and uh taiko just completely uninterested and then he goes what about white knight stories 
and Tycho's just foaming at the mouth like, God damn it, I have to get a PS3 now. Because <laughs> he, the whole thing is he was like, I don't want one. Who cares? What do I need it for? There's nothing coming up. Damn. Boom. And so then I ended up looking it up and I was like, oh, this is literally one of the coolest things mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah, it was it's and, so and, cool. And it, and one thing you said, it's like how you said it's a little rough around the end. And there were things in there that, you know, are unpolished. And I fully acknowledge that. I don't try to pretend it's perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. It was also like ahead of the curve on certain things, like getting into the online play with other people in an RPG aspect, the questing, very Monster Hunt-esque, like you mentioned. This was all kind of early into getting into all that. But the way I've described it before is... Uh, I like to look at it as like a spectrum. And on one end, you have White Knight Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And on the other end, you have the Alone in the Dark reboot from PS3 and 360. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in both cases, it's like there was just there was two. There were more mechanics and things in the game than what they really had the ability to properly support. Yeah. But in the case of Alone in the Dark, it felt like a bunch of those mechanics were in there because they were just things that popular games did. So you had to do it like open world exploration Mm -hmm. or things like that. Whereas in White Knight Chronicles, it felt like that uh, mechanics that weren't pop weren't fully polished. It wasn't because they just threw them in like, eh, whatever. It was because they really wanted to include it and they just didn't quite figure out how to do it. Yeah. And so it was like the difference between doing something because it's popular and doing something because you're passionate about what you're making. And mm-hmm. so that, that always feels like the difference for me. And why I'm willing to be like, I know this is a little unpolished, but because of all the good, I can get through it because you can tell when something was made with some level of care. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And like this past weekend, I started it back up again. Uh, I started a new game uh, and streamed a bit. And it's like looking back, like graphically, especially the create a character doesn't hold up but at the same time Mm -hmm. thinking back okay it's like this was 2008 this was 2010 like this was an early ps3 game in japan and it came out yes it came out a little later in the west but it was still fairly early on at that point so it was and i mean the jump to hd it it is well known and documented that Japanese developers had a hard time making that transition from standard definition to high definition. And there was so much flux, Mm -hmm. especially in that area, that what they what level five was able to do coming off of your Dragon Quest eight, coming off of your Dark Cloud two, coming off of Rogue Galaxy, which were vastly different from this game to make that jump to reinvent and really create such, and like you said, so many complex systems and mechanics in a brand new series on brand new platforms. It is impressive. I I will, I I still think it's impressive what they were able to do um, at the time. Oh, I absolutely agree. No. Full, full stop. Like, essentially it's kind of the same idea as how, you know, you can look back now and be like, you know, Super Mario 64, like, look at this, but like, this is a first for it quite literally was a first foray into the thing. Yeah. And, you know, when you look back and you could say, you know, dark cloud or dark cloud two or rogue galaxy aged better visually. And I kind of agree, but the reason why is because those were so heavily stylized. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea of why Wind Waker still holds up versus, you know, something else. It's because it had this stylized cartoony look, but they specifically wanted to tell a story with serious visuals. And for what it was at the time, it looked fine. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. that it's god awful but yeah you know some of the some of the allure has come off uh but yeah i give them all the respect and world for what they were able to pull off mm-hmm. with essentially basically being handed technology they didn't know how to use and an art style they weren't fully practiced in and going all right make it happen yeah uh agreed so let's talk a bit about kind of the mechanics and kind of systems that we've we've already alluded to um right. what strikes you the most 
about kind of the gameplay systems of White Knight. So uh, to give for anyone who hasn't played it, to give kind of a super, super, super top down high level overview, um, every, you have a, a created character and then uh, one, two, three, five, five yeah, uh, that party members right. who you gain along the way. I had to do a quick hand count. Five party members you gather along the way. Um, and you have skill trees for all of them. And the skill trees are are light magic, which is healing magic, uh, elemental magic, and then various weapons. Staff, sword, long, so one-handed sword, long sword, uh, axe, spear, you get bow, you get it. Um, and these unlock both attacks and stat boosts. Now, your main unlock, your main creative character can use every single tree with no restrictions. Every other character had was locked out of two, two pieces yep. of the of the wheel. Um, but it's not like they were, you know, terrible or anything like that. It just basically they were said, well, not everyone can do everything. Your character can. Uh, but everything felt so entirely different. And what was awesome is like I felt incentivized to make every character have a completely different build, not because of the game telling me anywhere or because like I knew, oh, this boss, if you don't have this, it just felt cool that every different kind of build feels great Mm -hmm. and is noticeably different from each other. Um, And they don't like, like I, I made my main character use longsword because, you know, that was the one that was the most high damage output. and You could create cool combos and such. Um, But like I made Leonard use an axe and also light magic so that he could heal in a pinch Mm -hmm. and kind of thread the line between a warrior and a damage dealer by giving him some armor. Uh, You know, Yuli got a staff and she was a mage. Eldor, they made this cool thing. So. And then further in combat, like you would learn attacks like slash, thrust, whatever. But you could build up combos that would literally chain attacks together. Um, And you can get like damage boosts for going down the line. And so there was also these cool things where different trees could essentially intermingle. Like the sword, the one handed sword tree, you could also use magic and intermingle magic into your combos. Mm -hmm. And it was like discovering all this stuff as you keep going. Like you were incentivized to learn all of this just because it was fun. It was cool. Mm -hmm. And so then you get into combat and combat a, um, you know, uh, like I, like I said, uh, very akin to FF12, very akin to Dot Hack. When you roll up, it's sort of this uh, MMORPG, but single player where you have an action wheel of whatever type, you know, your 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 mm-hmm. initiative meter, whatever you want to call it, where once it fills up, you can use an ability. And then once you use an ability, you got to wait for it to fill up again. But you can freely move around during combat and you have up to two allies with you. And it's just the the flowing from fight to fight and the game, it just, the combat's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think does that is I mentioned how you can do combos. Well, like certain abilities require, um, what was it called? Was it, was Action it AP? Chips? Action chips. Action AC. chips. Thank you. AC. I was like, I know it's not AP, but I wanted to ask. Certain moves required <laughs> AC and then also doing combos required AC. But unlike in other games where like, you know, you uh, in most games, I would feel inclined like I got to save my HP. I got to save my MP in this game. Mm-hmm. You get AC like it's raining. OK, so you just feel like you can freely go from fight to fight and use either abilities or combos or whatever. And you don't feel like, ah, shoot, I needed to save that yeah. for a big encounter. So it makes you feel like I can use the fullness of my ability tree that I've unlocked and you know, this action mm-hmm. bar I've created. I don't have to just sit here and go attack, 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 attack. And then, oh, there's a big thing over there. I'm going to use the one fire blade combo and then attack, attack, attack. No, it, 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 you were fine trying out different things. And I think that's probably the key of the whole thing. It didn't feel like I was doing one thing mm-hmm. and then branching out only for a big enemy. I could do whatever I wanted. And I never really felt like, oh, shoot, I'm screwed in my next encounter. Right. Right. What I thought yeah. was 
so creative. Like, I love the combos, but I loved how freeform it was to allow you to make combos. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't like you leveled up and because you learned these skills, it just made a combo for you. Like, you could choose pretty much from all the abilities you had for that weapon you had it equipped at the time. And then depending on the level of mastery you have in that weapon, you could organize them how you want. And then some had different properties. So you could like lift them up and then jump after them, do combos in the air and slam them back down or have, um, area of effect attacks with your, uh, swings or all the, or elemental things. You had all this stuff you could do and create, and it would be on you to think of, the cool combinations you could do and that rewarding right. feature seeing them pull off against a big boss or something was always so uh rewarding to me i felt yeah no absolutely uh i gotta say like one of my favorite things is that the only limitation is like you know they would say like you can't use a lift attack followed by another lift attack. Like if you did a lift in the air attack, mm-hmm. you would have to do something that slams them down. But other than that, it, you go go for it. If you want your combo to go like slash, 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 and then a thrust, go ahead. If you want it to be a constant thrusting combo to where even though, you know, you're using longsword, you're going piercing damage. F it, go for it. Do whatever. Like mm-hmm. build whatever the hell you want to build uh, and service it to the area you're in. And you had all these slots for combos. So it's not like you needed to worry about like, oh shoot, well, I'm going to have to start deleting combos I'm used to using. I'm like, no, go ahead and make whatever the hell you want. Try it out. Doesn't work. Try making something else. Yeah. Um, and to further egg on or add on to the customizability and the depth of kind of mechanics and things you could do, you then have the ability to craft and kind of enhance your weapons with mm-hmm. elements or further stats. And it just kept going and going and all what I am a sucker for this. Oh, yeah. When you equip a new piece of gear, it shows up on your character. The fact that every piece of gear is reflected on your characters. That alone, like, sold me. <laughs> Oh yeah, like, like not like it's one thing when it's like okay they have a cool design. It's another thing when it's like oh your weapon changes when you go on. In this case, it's oh no your your armor your entire look. You change your chest on. You go from like a leather thing to like a mithril hauberk. No, you're in armor now. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It always yeah. It's, it's like you said. I, I always get a a big old kick out of it. Yeah. One area I think I, I'm I'm always curious because I think the biggest shortcoming of the combat specifically is the lack of information or feedback it gives to the player. I think that's my biggest complaint about it. It's granted they fixed this or they helped it some in Xeno or um White Knight Chronicles 2 with kind of a color differentiation, but there's not much like you don't know if you're necessarily hitting a care an enemy's weak spot like what a right. enemy's weakness are if you're doing more damage there's not a lot of that telegraph to you and i wonder if from the get-go more of that had been included if reception had been more favorable that's a fair question and yeah it's the that is one thing i'll agree like there's no marking that you did that the enemy is weak to it and there's no color differentiation in the first game, like you said. So really your only option was like, if you had up the men, like the, the log of showing your damage, like just testing abilities, mm-hmm. seeing what did more and going from there, which, you know, you can do against like, you know, random things you'll find in the field. If you're like, okay, I'm going to run across this enemy, these, this area anyways. So I can at least give a, you know, try each of my basic hits see which one Mm -hmm. does the most damage and go from there. But that's not exactly going to help you in the midst of a boss fight where you're just kind of figuring it out. And yeah, you, you do have a fair point that that's one thing that they did thankfully improve, but it would have been nice had they fixed it for the first. And I mean, and we talked, we briefly talked about kind of the combo system, but also into that, you had three types of attacks. You had slashing, you had piercing, and you had crushing attacks. And then you had four elements on top of that. So keeping track of elements and mm-hmm. all that to not have then a, a 
a a reciprocating or information then provided back to you is like, okay, good job. You you figured out their their weakness with that attack. They made weaknesses turn yellow in the the second game. That also came with the first game, but mm-hmm. um, and, and there were items. There were the inspectacles that would tell you weaknesses on an, on an enemy. So there were ways to find out, but it wasn't clear when, like you said, in a boss encounter, what you're doing or what's working well or what's not. Right. And the thing is, like, it would be one thing, like the Inspectacles, for instance, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you do have that option. But the only thing is, like, it's you use it and then boom, it's not like you could then uh, as a good, right. and you know, as an example, because of the nature of the combat, how you're not pausing it or anything, it's not like, say, when you're in FF7 Remake and once you have identified an enemy, you can pop up their screen and see their weaknesses again mm-hmm. at a glance or even, you know, something closer to time. Final Fantasy 13, that once you got an enemy's intel, you could pop up and see that kind of info. You didn't have that. So it's like you could figure it out one time and then you better either write memorize it, it or write it down <laughs> like, you know, the NES days. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's OK. We have we have the technology now, Sony. We can we can figure this out. Yeah, I uh, I, I would love to see a. 2021 version of this game because it is so cool like i love the whole idea of giant robot magic knights and customized characters and whatnot fighting each other and as a big fan of trails and cold steel i would love to see valamar fight weisel uh the two giant silver knights with swords right right go on i want to i want to see them either team up or fight together or fight against each other but yeah, and it's so I remember like and it's like I mentioned the Tokusatsu thing the first the first transformation you see like mm-hmm. Leonard's going through the castle with Yuli they're trying to figure something out oh we found the Ark boom and then the Ark is like a gauntlet and he puts it on and he starts saying the magic thing and then he like jabs a dagger through a part in it and gives it a turn and again it's all very like a common rider transformation and all of a sudden boom he transforms yeah. into this giant knight. And what's great is the nature of it being an action RPG. You got to feel that sense of scale. Like, oh, he is Mm -hmm. literally a giant knight. Like, he is head and shoulders way above everyone he was just standing next to now. Oh, yeah. They landed the sense of scale in this game. And, it, you know, they kept it to where, like, you couldn't use it, say, in a tight corridor or what have you. But... There were so many areas where it was a big open plains, big, you know, big walking area, where have you. And as long as you weren't in some very small, tight, contained corridor, like a hallway in a building, if you're in combat and you've got the chip, the the points built up, go ahead and transform, Mm -hmm. which, again, so awesome. Like, it wasn't just something that you saw and then at certain storyline fights, it would happen. No, if you want to beat up on some random Joe <laughs> Schmuck goblin yeah. out in the field as a giant knight, go for it. It'll take you a minute to restore your energy on it. Sure, it's not really efficient, mm-hmm. but go for it. Nothing's stopping you. He was looking at you wrong. I get it. Those, those damn exactly. kibbles. Those damn Sometimes kibbles. Sometimes you just got to. It's like, oh, he's walking around a little. Well, I got my little stick. Got my little. G- Halloween ghost mm-hmm. costume cloak. Yeah. Well, away. Bam. Why Sword. Done. Now, I figure this would be a perfect time, Josh. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. this pre- previous to the show. Yes. Tell me about a little character named Caesar. I am going to gush. I'm going to gush about Caesar. I, I got my raincoat. Caesar. Got my raincoat Caesar on. Caesar is not just my favorite character in this game. He is one of my favorite characters in any JRPG ever. Like, I look at him the same way I look at my love of Sabin from FF6, the same way I look at my love of Ichiban Kasuga in Yakuza Like a Dragon. Like, I love Caesar's character. And here's the mm-hmm. thing. So for starters, one thing I really need to highlight, and I'm going to talk about Caesar and how awesome he is, but one thing I need to highlight is that this game is 12 years old. It is a JRPG, and JRPGs, we can be honest, 
especially from major companies. And I've said before, but like, you know, obviously level five was never square, but level five had some attache at the point that this game came out. Like they had, they had already dark cloud. They had already these hits on the radar that people like expected something from them. So they had some decent amount of funding and support and what have you. So it was a relatively notable um, company. Mm -hmm. And for, for a notable company, Caesar is one of the best examples of, diversity in a jrpg caesar Mm -hmm. is very clearly black his skin is darker than anyone else he's got locks okay he's designing that's how he is and he is not a stereotype by any means now like he doesn't talk with any sort of like exaggerated stereotypical slang anything like that in fact compared to the other party members He's actually kind of the nobility of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's which there's levels to that in the story, but the long and short of it, he is the the a son of the mayor of essentially a merchant city, um, very affluent, and he's got the he's very similar to Claude from Fire Emblem Three Houses, who is yeah. also I should mention my favorite Fire Emblem character. But the thing is. The difference between them is a lot of people would identify Claude as scheming. Caesar's Mm -hmm. not like that. Caesar's thing, though, is he is willing to let people underestimate him, but he never does it in the sense that you think he's jockeying for power or anything like that. He is just fine with people underestimating them, him and him proving them wrong of his own ability. But he does. He he's got a good relationship with his father. Ultimately, as it's shown through time, he's a good guy. He's very attractive and the women of greed are interested in him and he's flirtatious. However, they don't make him a horn dog or anything like that. Like they don't make him an asshole. And the best way I can identify that is when the, when he's, you know, he meets the party and he's introduced to everyone. He makes a comment about Yuli being cute and being like, Oh, is, is Leonard, you know, is Leonard Yuli's boyfriend. And it kind of gets shut down, but he sees Yuli react and like clearly understands there's something going on. From that point forward, whether it's the main game dialogue, the little incidental dialogue while they're traveling, anything like that, he does not flirt with Yuli a single time. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a respect thing. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to broach that. Like, I can see that. I'm not I'm good. I'm fine. So it's it's just this positive affirmation. Like you can you can own the fact that you're attractive, be interested in people, what have you. But you don't have to be a dick. You know what I mean? And he, he's just such a well-made character in so many ways. And then how he steps up, like he's telegraphed, obviously, that he's going to join the party for real. But the other thing, and, you know, it comes back yeah. to that scene we redubbed at the very beginning is, you know, you the party goes down into this dungeon. They find another arc. And up until this point, like you have these multiple different characters. And while you know there are multiple arcs, mm-hmm. you've got no inclination that anything's going to come of it because you the game is White Knight Chronicles. Like you have the White Knight. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't show anything else. And then out of nowhere, boom, Caesar transforms into Larvain, the Dragon Knight. And it's like, wait, I get a second one of these. Yeah. And he and comes in whoops tail in the preceding fight and is just an excellent character overall like he's well made as a character he's awesome mechanically he matters he continuously shows off throughout how skilled he is just Mm -hmm. god i love him i cannot stress he's a character who i can go on at at length he's that awesome design oh yeah he's just he is generally just one uh one of my all-time favorite jrpg characters period yeah, and I like how Caesar has layers to him. Like he comes off as kind of the stereotypical, like good look, happy demeanor, kind of easy go lucky, easy go uh, lucky kind of character. But that as you play, you discover more about him. He shows more mm-hmm. emotion, and and like in the intro scene um, that we did, it was like the first time you really see him like pissed off. Yeah, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, he does care about things. Mm -hmm. He cares about people. And you see that coming on. It's just so excellent that they like they build him over time. And that was the other thing, as you said, like the layers coming out. He's not front loaded. Mm -hmm. It's not like he gets all his characterization and then he's just there. 
Like yeah. there's a number of characters I can point to in JRPGs that are great characters and I like, but that's what it is. Freya from FF9 has is a great character all the way up until the uh, whole situation of Clara. And then she's just there. Mm-hmm. They don't really do anything else with her or her story. She's just hanging around. No, he co- he continues to develop, continues to show you that there's more to him. Um, they give him dragon sight and it like lets him look mm-hmm. into people's hearts so that it's like he can tell when something's off. And sometimes he calls someone out in the moment and sometimes he doesn't. And there's a reason for it. And he keeps things close to the chest because he gives people themselves chances. There's just there's so much great that I can talk about. Yeah. Um, and, and his transformation is the most common rider transformation. Cause it's literally a belt. He throws on around his waist and then like smacks it. It's right. The slide across hand. I'm like, it's just, it's just common. Right. Yeah, you, the dragon knight needs a sweet motorcycle or something just to really complete the common rider vibe. Uh, I'm 100% okay with that idea. If, they, <laughs> if if we ever get another one, I just need to see Larvane on a giant dragon bike. Like, that's what we need to happen. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So now I'm curious. One of the Probably one of the biggest selling points to this game was the online. And we've touched upon it a little bit, but how much did you play the the online portion of this back in the day? So I was able to play it a good bit. I was not able to get to like the highest ranks, mm-hmm. um, which I want to say was like rank 30. I can't remember the number of that. 15 or 30 It was one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know because I know it went higher in number two. And I can't remember if it was like it went from 15 to 30 or if it went from 30 to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I played like a, a decent amount of the online now the funny thing was eventually i couldn't because not because like the servers eventually shut down but even before the servers shut down eventually i couldn't play online anymore because it would not accept my character name Mm -hmm. because it's a you know for like a, a volatility sensor like for anything i don't know what part of my name triggers it like Anorient is the my online mm-hmm. handle that was the name of the character and for whatever reason they were saying that that like if it was my last name I get it that triggers basically every sort of character creator uh and I have to be like okay I have to come up with something else because my last name you know does if you separate out certain letters have that but no, Anorian, I was like, I guess maybe it's in another language or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it just it won't let me use that online. So eventually it's like, well, guess I'm just doing it by myself. So I'd have to do, you know, ranked missions or whatever offline, which there are still some you can do to grind it out and what have you. But I, even before that happened, I did get a good chance to play online. And when you could find a full party and go on some hunts where you're, you know, you've got to take it down. You've got the bow user aiming at a monster's head and you're working on taking down the knees and whatnot. You mentioned Monster Hunter and it's that for a JRPG, it's about as close to that as you could get in all the best ways. Like you had to work together as a team for some of these fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting is you can what I think is cool and still to this day, you can granted it's not advised because it takes crazy amounts more time, but you can do all the quests like online multiplayer focused or the ones the, the quests and things that you were incentivized to play multiplayer. You can still do them offline single player, but the grinding and everything for your guilds and stuff so much longer and uh but you can still get that platinum. So, oh yeah, no. If you were to pick up the game and play today, like you obviously, as I said, the servers are shut down. But you could still do it. Um, it's just a matter of like you're probably going to have to get to max level and then respec multiple times to get some of the stat boosts mm-hmm. permanently built. Like you're going to have to do that through a few cycles just to get strong because eventually, like the monsters are scaled specifically to take on four people who have done that once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, if you're willing to invest a couple hundred hours, like you can absolutely still do it. Yeah. Just think of it as like five playthroughs of Persona 5, you know, you're good. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, so what would you say was your favorite um, weapon? 
Oh, okay. So for personal usage, yeah. um, I, again, I made my main character the longsword, and it is my favorite because mm-hmm. just, especially if you go, you know, with a lighter armor so that you can fill up your action, like, you know, like clothing type armor, what have you, so you could fill up your action wheel quickly, you could just shred through things. But I also had a very distinct soft spot for the spear. Mm-hmm. Just because it had so many techniques of like slant, as mentioned, lift up and slam down. So essentially, like in any one on one fight, the spear was already like the tank weapon, quote unquote, yeah. because it gave the most defensive stats and this, that, or the other. But it further amped that up by being like, I can essentially take one enemy, lift them up, drop them down, do whatever, essentially be like, you're not going to fight me. You're mm-hmm. just going to stand there and get clobbered while I do things. Yeah. I remember the first time I played, I rocked the spear because I thought spear, it, it would be awesome. Um, not realizing that it was more of the tank weapon. Like I was going, it's like, I wasn't expecting the heavy defense and kind of support tank reliance right. when I went spear. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but no, I loved it. I just, I love the look of a lot of the spears. I love kind of, like you mentioned this, the, what you could do with it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good stuff. And no, then the spear's great. The most recent playthrough I started this past week and I, I decided to rock the, uh, the, the ax tree with my main character. So, okay. Yeah. Like I said, I sent Leonard down that and mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's less powerful or weaker or anything that like i just have more mm-hmm. oh, on this yeah. towards the other two but the like every tree has something i can point to for sure and be like oh that's dope you know like the axe has some combos you can pull off where you just stand back and go oh it takes you a second to get there but you can you can leave someone hurting oh yeah uh there that's their uh i want to hit things really hard skill or Attack tree, the old axe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and then we and then you can make your own town. <laughs> yes, whole whole town, whole town, whole town. The, the, up a town. What was it Turtle Town? Yeah, yeah. With the Georama and oh, there's build up your own town. Invite people to which obviously you know service is down now. But even if you you can't invite people, like you could go there yourself. Mm-hmm. You had shops there. You could do crafting there do all of it there so it's like oh okay so i just kind of have my own home base yeah there was that's great so much in this game <laughs> that you could do and kind of dive into and just spend hours and hours over it like i have one of my friends um his name's dusk and he played the crap ton out of this game back in the day and always loves to talk about uh white knight chronicles and the time he spent so Man, I think this game did so many things. It just came out in a year where there were just so many other heavy hitting RPGs. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's like it's like we mentioned, you know, Mass Effect 2, Fallout New Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. hello, these, you know, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep for people who had a PSP. Yeah. Which is a fair game. Um, Final Fantasy 14. I'm like, we can be honest and say a bunch of people tried it. You know, yeah. at first it didn't go great, but <laughs> it eventually got there. But still plenty of people signed on because Final yeah. Fantasy name. So it was kind of left by the wayside, but it just it was so good. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you still had your God of War three red. The original Red Dead Redemption released that year. Call of Duty Black Ops released Bioshock two. I mean, there were so many games. Uh, Mario Galaxy two released that year. Um, Metal Gear Solid, Peace Walker, um, just so, so many games that release that having been developed and initially released in 2008, it had already kind of aged itself, I think, with, right. with a lot of yeah. its systems by the time this released out in the West. Um, but no, I think it's still such a, an, a great look and an interesting look at the time and, kind of seeing what games do now, like the wide open areas and 
or like the large areas where you would run around and do quests and the combat, you would see that refined and kind of adjusted somewhat in games like Xenoblade. But this game came out two years before. Like it, there are a lot of comparisons. Mm-hmm. I feel that I see that White Knight did that Xeno then ran with. The combat is absolutely like at its core built in that. Mm-hmm. And then, and it. The funny thing is, like you mentioned, and it's funny you mentioned Monster Hunter because now it's rattling around my head. But I'm thinking of like a game like, say, Monster Hunter World, especially, or rise like for as much as this got slept on if i told someone today hey there's you know there's a new game coming out Mm -hmm. take the idea of monster hunter world but make it a jrpg by the way you can actually build your own town and there's go from there and you can team up with other people in this jrpg to go on quests and stuff online with a whole ranking system plus a really really strong full single player campaign story mm-hmm. people would be falling over themselves to give you money yeah to if, buy if, this game oh yeah and you can create your own combos and it has like eight different class trees you can dive down right. into with- it would be it would be like people would be falling over themselves for that and so it was just ahead of its time in so many ways especially because a big part of it and a big part of its lasting impact was supposed to be the internet connectivity of it all and playing with other people. Mm -hmm. And it was before that was really like ever present in not in gaming, but in like the single player games normally, like, you know, like obviously you had, you know, Halo and you had things like that. But for the most part at the time, people just would be like, okay, I'm either playing an MMO or I'm playing like a first person shooter or something like that. Be maybe a fighting game, but like, wait, I'm playing an RPG with other people that it just yeah. it wasn't so normalized. But then now we live in a world of destiny. Now we live in a world of, you know, basically all these games going, you know, uh, the 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 games as a service model. Mm-hmm. And this is like what all of them we're trying to get to in the first place yeah without nearly the predatory so i don't know it's, it's just kind of weird funny to think about it, it is and i feel like we had console mmos and we had kind of i i think up until this point the closest comparison you could really draw is it what would have been monster hunter the monster hunter one and two for ps2 where you could do some single player stuff, or you could also take it online and play with friends. But this exponentially so increased what you could do. Like you mentioned, right. you had a full single player experience, single player story driven game. But then you also had this extensive multiplayer team up with friends, take on quests, missions, fight monsters, get resources that you could then put back into your single player game. I, I legitimately cannot think of another game at this time or even for a good amount of time after the fe- after this that would go in that would adopt that similar style which is a style we see a lot today mm-hmm. oh yeah no this this kind of this set the stage you know for a lot of the concepts now some of it's been twisted this way or that way but it's kind of it's exactly what you said this game walked to where a lot of other games were able to run. Mm-hmm. It introduced a lot of concepts that we take for granted nowadays. And it's that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this, this episode with you to talk about this game, because I think it is so overlooked, especially in the pantheon of level five games. So many people will t- still talk about Rogue Galaxy or Dark Cloud 2 or, of course, Dragon Quest 8 today. But just when you look at everything that these games at that the White Knight games try to do, you can argue you weren't a fan of the story. You can argue that parts of the the gameplay didn't work for you or you were annoyed that you made a custom character that wasn't present in the story scenes in the, the, the main game. You can make all those mm-hmm. arguments and there's validity to your your gripes. 
and you are welcome to your your thoughts and your issues with it. But at the end of the day, it's like this game did so many things introduce so many mechanics and kind of approaching how to do these style of games that games like Marvel Avengers or Destiny does today. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, I would, you know, we mentioned, like, hypothetically, they made the new one, but it's like, I would absolutely, it's just one of those thought experiences, like a what if. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, like, sitting here thinking, like, what kind of a game, if you took this creative team, the team that birthed this, and you said, okay, we're going to give you the same sort of resources we give to a Destiny, to a, you know, uh, a Marvel Avengers, to uh, 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 the Division, whichever, something that we expand over time, something that we explore, we give our resources into for further developments over time. And it's like, man it really would be something special. Like the closest thing I can think of to it, uh, not to get Mimi, but you know, I, they critically acclaimed, uh, MMORPG final fantasy 14 now available for free. Critically up to acclaimed. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Play for free up through heaven's word. <laughs> Along with the first, the first, uh, expansion. No, but that's literally the closest thing I could think of where it's this multiplayer RPG. You can play, with all your friends and everything, but that still hat is built upon its own story. It's single player. But again, if it was all that without paying monthly with a single player campaign, and it's not a shot at FF 14, I play FF 14. I literally stream like, obviously this isn't going to go live today, but I, as of us recording it, I literally streamed it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I like, I'm not shooting and taking a shot at it. Like I get the whole, the money getting reinvested in other, mm-hmm. but the point is like, that's the closest equivalent I could think of. And despite the memes, it literally is critically acclaimed. Like people love it. So it's just one of those things where I always wonder like, what would we have gotten if we got the full realization of this and what it could be like, ah, it's just a thought experiment, really. Yeah. Great points. Um, really, really good. But as we've mentioned, um, while there are few of us, there are still some people out there like us that do enjoy and remember fondly white Knight Chronicles. So we are going around the web. First up, we have user Morrison Dudas from Reddit. They say, The only thing I really remember about it was it had a really good plot twist where the typical liar revealed subplot was a trick to get the bad guys to drop their guard. I generally hate that plot point, but so seeing it subverted was refreshing. Uh, Wanna take the next one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then going on uh, from Megan Training from Reddit said, I played the game when I was in seventh grade and had just gotten a PS3. And I remember doing online quests with my close friend from school. It was the first time ever playing video games online with other people. So I was very excited about it. And I had a lot of fun. I made my character use great sword as a weapon. Good choice for a first playthrough because my friend said it was the best one. LOL. Yeah, your friend was right. <laughs> true, true. Next up, we have user AdaptCaterpillar52 from Reddit. They say, I feel like I'm I feel like the only one who enjoyed it. I didn't have fond memories of the game, but it was definitely memorable for trying something different. Most of level five games were like that back then. Yeah. Pretty much. And then Red Panda says uh, mention. I don't remember if it was in one or two since I bought the collection and they merged seamlessly, if I remember correctly. But the Turtle Town. Holy heck, that was awesome when I first saw it. Uh, yeah, and to stay on that, uh, for anyone who does look into it, uh, if White Knight Chronicles 2 did include the entirety of White Knight Chronicles 1 when it came mm-hmm. out. With, so that's with some improvements, too, like we yes, mentioned. With the, they did improve some things in the engine, and the whole version of 1 that's included does have all those improvements yes. and balances and tweaks. So hypothetically, if you, know, you ever decided to go try and track down or whatever it's probably easier to just grab number two true true but thank you to those stalwart white knight community members and fans out there for submitting your favorite memories and moments from the game that you remember from white knight chronicles as always down in the show notes you'll see a link where you can post your own memories or uh fond moments you have for this level five rpg 
Now, let's say you, after hearing Josh and I talk a bit about it, you're intrigued by it or you're interested in playing it yourself. Well, we're here to help you with that as well. Uh, luckily, if you did want to pick up the first game, still pretty easy and cheap to find on eBay. It's only it'll only cost you about five to ten bucks, depending on how complete you want it, um, or only about eighteen dollars if you want it brand new. Um, if you want to play it on your PS4 or something more modern, it strangely enough, uh, White Knight Chronicles, the first game, only the first game is available on the PlayStation Now service. So you can stream it directly to your PS4 or your Vita or I guess your PS5. So I guess technically you could play White Knight Chronicles today on your PS5. So that's kind of cool. I might have to get PS Now now that I know that. I'm intrigued by it for sure. For sure. I've been avoiding it, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, if I've you been do. wanting to play this, and my PS3's disc drive is busted. I was going to replace it, but I might just see like, okay, it's cheaper to get PS now, play it for a month real quick. I don't know. I'm, I'm think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. Well, if you do, let me know. I'd be intrigued to see uh, how the original original version holds up. So. Oh yeah. Um, so let's say you have subscribed to PlayStation Now, or you've snagged yourself a used copy, and you want some tips or advice before you start off on your adventure. Well, we are here to help you with that as well. So Josh, what tips or advice would you give to brand new players? Okay, I put have three specifically. The first one is that the game does not explicitly, when you're showing, you know, going to look at gear, the game does show you a difference in stats, but the game does not explicitly state armor affects anything other than stats. But the heavier your armor is, uh, the slower your action wheel fills. And it's not like a hard and fast science, but basically if it looks like you're wearing like a suit of armor, armor, like full on plate or whatever, your armor, your wheel's going to fill up a little slower. If it looks like you're wearing clothing or robes, it's going to fill up faster. So uh, if you've got, you put your tanks in armor for sure, but like your damage dealers maybe want to have like lighter clothing and whatnot. Number two uh you should tr definitely try if you can and have at least one party member be s using the bow. It can be basically anyone. But the reason why is because you will face bosses that are physically larger than you uh, or even just random enemies out in the map that mm -hmm. are physically larger than you. And they will hit harder. They'll be problematic, but they're very easy to knock or to bring down and to stun for a bit and to take down if you can get their head. And the bow obviously circumvents the issue of their head being way high up in the air and unable to be targeted. And then the last thing is what I said earlier. Um, when it comes to the AC, the action chips, do not treat them like how you would MP in an old school RPG or like spells per day or something like that. You get them very easily. Go ahead and unleash combos. The game has literally built the systems around using that. So don't hamstring yourself and try and just use single attacks. Like go ahead and let those things roll. For sure. And my tips are you are able to respec pretty easily. So don't be afraid of messing up your build or what you want, what you're having your characters do. There's a very there's a shop in the main city that you can go and visit. It has a dummy. You just talk to it and you'll be able to respec your character. So play around, see what fits best for you and enjoy. Mm hmm. Now we are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the monster of the week. So, Josh, what enemy have you brought to the arena this time? OK, my for all the cool boss designs, and the knights, including one that's antagonistic and this, that, or the other. Um, my monster of choice from this game, just for personal <laughs> and nostalgic reasons, is the troll. You can run into trolls in the very first explorable area you can go into. But the reason why I picked the troll, the troll is a very, and there's different trolls you can run into, but all the designs are great. But even just going back to the very first one, it's got a very cool design with how it runs around, like the scattered bits of armor and clothing here and there, a giant club and this, that, or the other. But the thing about it is the troll, much like your knights, like your white knight and the dragon knight, is huge. And it's mm -hmm. the first time you go, like, when you first see it, you're like, oh, shoot, that's got to be a boss. And so, you know, you maybe pre you know, prep yourself, do whatever, and then you fight it. And no, it's just an enemy. And it's your first foray into realizing, like, oh, 
oh, giant enemies just exist in this world. Mm-hmm. Like these things that tower over me and whether I'm in night form or normal mode or whatever, there's ways to handle them, but I can't treat them the same as the things around them. But it's not a boss. Like it's not some, it's not going to drain me of all my resources, but I do have to give it the time of day. Yeah. Okay. This is awesome. Like it was the first, <laughs> like it was the first enemy that stood out to me as, oh, I'm not playing the same type of game I've always been playing. First and boss too. Would, yes. Yes. And like you do, the first example of a troll is as a boss and then you can find them running. Well, you could, I'm trying to remember. I think you can, if you go off the beaten path. Yeah. In the first area, you could probably find one beforehand, but you would be doing it on purpose. Um, but like in general, just this idea of, oh, these gigantic things that you want to like target a knee and try and bring it down to the ground so that you can beat up on it real quick and it can't attack you. And like just having to completely rethink combat without necessarily feeling helpless or anything. Mm-hmm. It just made for such an awesome experience. It's a cool design. It was an excellent way to introduce it. And I just love it. Agreed. Agreed. Now for the troll's stats. Now, the troll has four different body parts that you can hit, including the head, the belly, and both legs. They are... He is strong against slashing moves, so don't use those, but he is weak against piercing attacks. In White Knight Chronicles 1, in the original release, he is also weak to wind attacks and earth, but it was changed in White Knight Chronicles 2 if you replay the first one in that, so he's would be... uh, resistant to wind attacks, but still weak against Earth. You can find trolls roaming around the Ballastar Plains, Great Old Plains, Nordia Tunnels, Memorial Servant, the Troll Treasure Area, the Lost Children Area, Brave Lightens Pass, or Brave Lightens Plight, excuse me, where it's a boss, and all in the cards area. They can drop uh, for tier one, the Giant Bone for 30% chance, Sturdy Chain at 50%, Giant Shank, at 30%, Cracked Mask at 1%, a Feather Ornament at less than 1% chance, a Guardian Pearl and Chromium Pearl level 1 both at 10%. On Tier 2, they have a 20% chance of dropping a Troll Helm, a 15% chance of dro- dropping a Troll Claw, 5% Troll Cudgel, and a Troll Mask at 1%. And finally, at Tier 3... They have a 17% chance of dropping a Troll Armor Suit, a 12% chance of dropping a Troll Claw Plus, a 1% chance of dropping a Troll Cudgel Plus, and a less than 1% chance at dropping a Silver Troll Mask. Their skills include Swipe, Heavy Hammer, Trample, Troll Swipe, Meteor Hammer, and Warcry, which would lower your evasion. So be careful as you investigate the planes because there are trolls around. Now, that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Josh, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, nerding out with me a bit today. Absolutely. Anytime, Scott. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a blast. Of course. Of course. Now, I have to... I mentioned this in your introduction, but I have to know, how did the rest of your four-job fiesta go? Because we never oh, actually oh. did that second episode for some reason. <laughs> right. it, like our schedules never uh, messed Everything up. Everything just went wrong. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, how'd it go? I did end up beating it, but because of the fact that I had uh, a berserker on the party, it it, it it did take some leveling because basically <laughs> one of my four members was always... Now, you would think the berserker would be worthless, but wasn't um, because I was able to equip uh, I'm trying to remember the name, but which are the 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 hammer that you can get? I think it's the rune, the rune axe. There we go. Mm-hmm. One of the the legendary weapons. So MP, and then I equipped an, um either I think white magic as the fourth ability. No, one of the magic yeah. that I had to give a bunch of MP. So I was critting every attack. So it was good damage. It just you know, one of my party members couldn't do anything for triage. So there was some work <laughs> there, but we, we did end up winning and did so with all four members still standing at the end of the fight. So excellent. Excellent. Well, good to know. Good to know it succeeded. Uh, but real quick, where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away your stuff. Gotcha. Well, you can find me on the Twitters at twitter.com slash anorian 
GD. That's Anorian GD as in Game Dad, uh, because I go by Anorian the Game Dad. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Anorian. And you can find me if you want to see any of my YouTube stuff. I am delving further back into that. I had to take a hiatus because of lots of stuff, mostly life and kids and being home all day with school and all that. But I'm uh, going to be delving back into that um, so you can see the stuff I've got and what's coming. Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash game dad. Um, I stream four times a week. Also, I'm getting a bit more into like the TTRPG side of things. So Dungeons and Dragons, what have you. So you can find me. I'm actually with a group called Roll Together RPG. We just wrapped our second season recording wise. It's still going on, but our second season of a show we do called Andor. Uh, there's hopefully going to be a third season, fingers crossed, um, that goes a little longer. Uh, and I may, I have some other projects hopefully in the works uh, that I'm talking about. None of it's settled yet though. So, you know, I can't really talk about it. Um, but if you, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you pretty much anytime, as soon as I'm able to announce something, that's going to be the spot where I announce it. So you'll be able to figure out everything from there. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you once again, Josh, for joining me. It has been a blast. And thank you to each and every one of you who's listened here to the end. I really appreciate it. If you have a chance, be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. And if you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share your own favorite RPGs and memories with me directly on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.